welcome to the Masterful Art of Self-Care, hosted by Nitsi Bell Wallace. Hello, hello. Um, thank you for coming in, listening to another episode, actually season two, episode 21 of the Masterful Art of Self-Care. Um, so today I'm going to be um, kind of adding on to the series, or adding on to the series, of self-care practices gone bad. And so this particular practice that I'll be talking about isn't necessarily bad. I think it's just the context that um, it's taken out of. And so I'll be discussing the use of abdominal binders. And so that's both both in um, postpartum use um, during pregnancy and then also um, the use of um, these so-called abdominal binders. And I'll explain that a little bit later. Um, just among young teens. And so what I wanted to do is just, you know, at least kind of provide a little bit of an introduction. And, um, you know, my my focus, my interest in looking at some of these practices, and I say that, you know, especially this practice I'll be talking about, as it is a self-care practice, because, you know, um, you know, especially um, after pregnancy, postpartum, or even during pregnancy, you know, the use of these abdominal binders or belly wraps are meant to provide support. They're meant to provide um, some warmth, provide some additional compression, you know, to the abdomen, um, assisting with the contraction of the uterus. And I'll be talking about a lot of the other benefits. And I say that this is a self-care practice because it provides a lot of benefit, you know, to the mom um, to have this kind of support. And so I want to look at um, practices that um, are practiced, um, that were practiced, that are still practiced, and that might necessarily in some cases be bad or be negative. And a lot of the practices that I'll be talking about, self-care practices, aren't necessarily bad, just the context that it's taken into. So I want to also, um, before I dive a little bit deeper, I want to um, make an invitation to some of you listeners, because I know some of you have been listening for a while, and to share any self-care practices that you used to practice or maybe even that you currently still practice um, that may have caused any negative experiences. Because I think it's really important, I think, in the self-care realm, and that's what I'm hoping to try to um, break, the, break the, I guess, the stigma, you know, or the concept of self-care, that it's, you know, all lovey-dovey, really good, um, you know, that it's just like, you know, massage and spas and stuff like that. And, you know, that there are things that women, you know, practice, you know, on a daily basis or on a regular basis that can actually have negative inputs, you know, um, down the line or in the future. So we'd love to invite any women um, who are listening or maybe you know of a family member um, who may have, you know, done a particular self-care practice in the past and you know, you've seen just kind of negative um, consequences down the road. So I would love for you to share any of your stories. And um, I'll put my uh, email address in the show notes so you can um, follow up with that. So on today's episode, um, as I mentioned, so this isn't necessarily a bad practice, but just the way that it is taken out of context, the, the way that it is marketed, um, and also how we talk about, um, yeah, how we talk about our bodies and about getting, you know, quote unquote, our body back after pregnancy. So, um, you, if, especially if you are a mom uh, or a new mom, um, and you are on Facebook or on Instagram, so the way that um, the algorithms are, 
especially if you spend a lot of time looking at anything pregnancy related, um, then you'll definitely see some ads with regards to um, abdominal binders or belly wraps or helping to shrink your waist, um, especially after having a baby and getting your body back. And so if you've seen some of these ads and you might have even seen um, pictures of like, you know, Kim Kardashian or, you know, anyone from that clan um, who, you know, because they've had several children of them, you know, pretty much, you know, waist or thin, you know, or almost back to their pre-pregnancy body, like so soon um, after having given birth to their child and also wearing um, what they also call these waist strainers. So I'm going to just spend some time talking about um, just the difference between um, all of those. And so, yeah, there have been, you know, some famous celebrities, um, maybe even other people in your family, um, where you might have seen, um, you know, them wearing some type of wrap or bind um, around their belly. So before I go into what some of the pros and cons are um, with regards to belly wrapping, I want to take a look at the history. I think the history is always really important. Um, as I mentioned in the other um, episode that I did, um, you know, uh, with regards to like vaginal douching, I think it's important to look at the history and have an understanding as to why things were done. So we have a better understanding, you know, um, you know, why they were done and, you know, why it's good, why it's bad um, in the future. So actually, um, belly wrapping is not a new practice. It has been around actually for quite a long time. And so um, if you are, um, you know, someone of like a first generation, second generation, who's either come, you know, from um, Eastern Europe, um, from anywhere in Latin American countries, even Asian countries, um, this is actually a practice that is done um, pretty regularly for um, those women. And so like in Latin American cultures, um, the wraps that are used are known as fajas. And then they're also seen in Japanese cultures and so they're called um, sarashis or um, sarash is also another name um, that I've seen for that. And they've been used to help assist with toning, um, toning the abdominal muscles post-birth uh, to help the moms get back, um, to help their moms with back pain, um, to help provide them a little bit more um, support in their abdomen. Um, and then also assist with regards to um, helping approximate the abdominal muscles um, if there was any type of separation, well, usually, I mean, I'll talk about that a little bit later, um, you know, any separation in the belly. So allowing for um, those muscles to heal a little bit quicker. And then, you know, it has been used um, most, I want to say most recently, but I think, you know, probably for a while, at least in obstetrics, you know, in modern medicine um, for women who um, post-vaginal delivery and also even C-section. And so I can say that I have actually, you know, got an abdominal binder and it's really funny because I think I've um I think I've had it twice um because I had before the birth of my daughter I had a um laparoscopic abdominal procedure done to remove some fibroids and um I, I don't remember like because this the time um goes by and they were kind of the, the the years you know it was kind of so close um but I do remember I think in both instances um, my belly just feeling super, you know, jiggly and almost felt like jello. I think even more specifically, like after I had my C-section with my daughter and I did have this wrap and it's funny because no one told me, um, you know, Hey, this is, you know, an abdominal wrap. We're going to put this on. It's going to help provide some support. 
Um, you know, I just remember, um, yeah, I think it was even probably after the laparoscopic surgery, just cause I remember it being put on my belly and not really knowing why <laughs> it was there. Um, so yeah, but they, you, they do use that, um, in obstetric um, medicine and yeah, uh, it was really, really helpful just cause it felt, you know, the, any woman out there who's had a C-section or any type of abdominal procedure, um, your belly feels like jello. Um, and then it's really hard for you to feel supported and free to move or, and I, I don't even say exercise, but just move in general, you know, to get up out of the bed, go to the bathroom, you know, maybe lift anything, lift your baby, you know, if needed. And so, um, the abdominal binder just helps, helps provide, um, some support. So, um, yeah, I found that it was really helpful, um, in also in allowing my body to heal a little bit faster. So traditionally, in a lot of these cultures, it's a long cloth that's used um, to wrap around the belly. And as the belly muscles um, start to work on contracting and drawing back in towards um, the midline, then the fabric eventually is shortened as well as tightened. And so um, this has been a practice that has been around for um, quite a while. And, you know, I think it's, it is still a practice that is used um, by a lot of um, women currently because um, a lot of them have seen the benefits um, of using them and, and just helping to, you know, provide a little bit of a faster healing. So knowing that it has been around for quite a while and is still used in many traditional practices, I want to talk about what some of the benefits are for using these. And so there are um, a couple of articles um, that I spent some time just researching on this topic. And so I'll post a lot of the, um, the articles um, that I found in the show notes. So if you wanted to kind of dig a little bit deeper or just kind of see what some of the resources I use, you can go ahead and take a look at that. But just as an aside, I thought it was really interesting um, that many of the um, article, or at least a few of the articles that I, um, you know, use in order to, uh, for this research, for this podcast episode, um, a lot of them, you know, were also, you know, products, you know, companies, um, and there's, there's actually, you know, several products um, that do this type of thing, belly wrapping, abdominal binding, um, where they add an additional benefit, which I don't think is necessarily what the traditional um, practice was meant for. So as I mentioned, um, some of the benefits, so it does provide some support. Um, it provides a feeling of compression. Um, so definitely, um, you know, with it wrapping around a lot of um, the abdominal binders, especially if it's in the hospital, you know, has a Velcro on it. So it's very easy to um, take on, take off compared to like a Faha wrap where, you know, it's a lot of cloth and, you know, might be a little bit of some wrapping, which might be, um, I would say maybe time consuming or maybe a little bit more complicated for some folks um, to do. Um, also provides a lot of warmth. Um, so in a lot of practices, you know, and also I guess depending on where you are, you want to provide a lot of warmth um, to the abdomen, to the belly, um, especially after um, giving birth, um, just because now, um, you know, you had the baby in there and now um, I want to say there's a void, but it's, you know, a little empty. And so just providing that warmth um, it's really important. And I know that that's a big thing, at least in like traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, 
you know, post-pregnancy, you know, providing warmth in lots of aspects. So whether it's, you know, by covering up the feet and walking around, um, definitely want to provide some warmth around the belly. It's really helpful in reducing pain. So obviously when you're provi providing a little bit of some compression um, and helping to just kind of approximate things, um, you know, you just feel kind of really secure and um, supported, then that helps reduce the pain and then more likely for you to be able to then move a little bit more. Um, and then also reduces diastasis recti. So as I mentioned, um, you know, it's very common in pregnancy for there to be separation of the abdomen. So that's just um, where the linea alba is and it's going to separate a little bit. And so um, it is used um, for that purpose. And in addition, um, by having that uh, wrapping around the abdomen and around the muscles, that also provides um, additional support to help to bring the uterus back to its original size. And it does this, obviously, again, by compression of those abdominal muscles, which helps the uterus be able to contract and um, more quickly um, get back to its original size so it can therefore um, help stabilize the pelvic floor, which is really important, obviously, because um, if there isn't stabilization, you know, if things are just kind of moving out of place, you know, that is just increases the likelihood chance of, you know, any type of incontinence issues, any type of prolapse. Um, in addition to those benefits, helps maintain good posture. Um, so as I mentioned, just allow you to move more. So especially with um, a lot of women currently where there is um, unfortunately uh, a need to have to kind of get back into whether, you know, it's the job that they were doing before or if they have other kids, then providing um, that support, you know, um, in their household, you know, cooking, cleaning, you know, taking care of the other kids. Unfortunately, a lot of those women are, you know, put under um, that situation where they have to be able to kind of, you know, jump back um, right after giving pregnancy. So at least this provides a little bit of some extra support um, and some help for them so they can be able to do that with a little bit more ease. So, as I mentioned before, I started um, mentioning some of the benefits. Unfortunately, most of the benefits um, that I pulled um, also had the addition of using the binders to, quote unquote, help get your body back or to help moms, quote unquote, um, get rid of their still pregnant looking belly quicker. And so um, and, and a lot of this, again, was advertised by a lot of these um, companies that sell these products. And so probably some of, you know, the ads that you might have seen on Facebook or on Instagram. And so there are many terms um, that are used. So you might have heard of belly wrapping, you might have heard of abdominal compression binders, you might have heard of a waist trainer, of girdles, as well as corsets. And so it's really interesting, um, you know, just as I looked into this, you know, there is a pretty big range. If you've ever seen a corset um, that was used, you know, years ago, you know, decades ago, and actually probably, you know, is still used in some cases, you know, for some women, you know, like costume wise. And so that provides a lot of compression. And at least with regards to the girdles, the corsets, the waist trainers, you know, the focus is on trying to get like an hourglass figure. So there's more of like a cinching um, right in the middle um, where it uses a lot of hooks, um, uh, a lot of um, like kind of, especially for the corsets. So um, you know, there might even be some like, I don't want to say lacing, but just like string in order to help to kind of create more compression and to cinch the waist a little bit more. And 
it's really meant, yeah, like as I said, just to kind of create that hourglass figure, which some women are looking for. And I wouldn't say that that's necessarily the case, you know, for women post-pregnancy to try to get that hourglass figure. But um, it seems like, you know, again, women, um, famous celebrities like uh, Kim Kardashian are wearing these waist trainers, you know, post-pregnancy. And so the belly wraps um, are seen like the fahas, the sarashas um, are probably more um, complementary, you know, for post-pregnancy as well as um, what's seen at least in surgical wise, you know, at least in the medicine realm are the abdominal compression binders. So those are, you know, fairly simple. They're white, you know, they wrap, um, you know, just above the pelvis, wrapping um, around the belly, you know, have Velcro, very simple. They don't have a lot of, you know, boning and hooks and stuff like that that you might see in the waist trainer. So it's just really important that if this is something that you feel that you're going to need or it's recommended um, that you have, that you're getting the right product, that you're not getting something that can actually do some harm um, you know, to your body in the long run. Um, so, you know, a lot of these products are, um, uh, well, actually, before I mention that, um, so, you know, I'm currently taking uh, innate postpartum care um, training with um, Rochelle. And so a quote that she mentioned, you know, from, um, you know, from a lot of her studies that she says is that a woman can be in her center as much as her uterus is in her center. And I found that, you know, really compelling. And, you know, just as I was doing that particular um, module, um, you know, wrote that quote down. And I think that's the center of um, a lot of the Mayan abdominal massage. So if you're familiar with like Mayan Arbico technique, and a lot of it is, um, you know, um, abdominal massaging and um, different like self-care techniques in order to help um, the uterus, um, help to get back to, to center, especially if it's, you know, been tilted or prolapsed or anything like that. And I think, you know, the purpose of these, a lot of these traditional practices, yes, it is for that purpose. You know, it is to help provide support for the mom, you know, provide compression, um, provide some stability, but essentially at the end of the day, it's really about helping her uterus, you know, come back to center because then the mom could, you know, feel more centered and, Obviously, if it's out of balance, um, if it's falling out, then that's going to be really hard for a mom to feel, you know, at peace or at center when things just aren't functioning or, um, you know, working the way that they should. So um, I think essentially that's the main goal or the main um, focus with regards to belly wrapping or using those um, abdominal compression binders. So many of these products are co-opting the benefits um, of these um, traditional practices um, and making claims that it can help, you know, tone their tummy, um, trim their tummy. Um, again, like that was never the intention. So it's almost like pretty much like those waist trainers, those girdles um, that you've seen, again, those celebrities using, it's just pretty much like modern day corsets. Um, so there really isn't any support provided. So it's just squeezing the midsection uh, which impacts both um, the diaphragm as well as the pelvic floor and actually may lead to um, leakage as well as prolapse um, just because of the incorrect um, distribution of pressures. And so um, if you're interested in that, you can take a look at, I didn't write down what episode number that was, but you can take a look um, um, in season one 
I did do um, a part one, or I've been meaning to do a part two, just on um, the diaphragm and the different, um, the, the diaphragm as more than just, you know, a breathing muscle and that it has a lot of other purposes or uses in the body. And so definitely the, um, the abdominal diaphragm, you know, has a huge impact on the pelvic floor diaphragm as well. So when we are creating a lot of compression in the midsection, then we're not able to really use the abdominal diaphragm to breathe and everything's just kind of being squeezed. Then a lot of those um, pressure systems in our body can have a huge impact and can lead to, you know, yeah, you might get that nice, you know, waste, but then, you know, create a lot of um, havoc on other parts of the body. So um, I might um, do uh, another episode just to kind of discuss um, some of the negative impacts of wearing um, these corsets, you know, in um, another in the future. Um, so um, moving on from the use of. Belly wraps um, that are used in postpartum time, I wanted to also talk about the use of these um, abdominal binders or um, what is actually termed, you know, faha wraps um, in modern culture that young women are actually using. So I found it really interesting. Um, there's an article um, in the New York Times, and this was back in 2012, where they ran an article about the resurgence of these modern day corsets that are being embraced um, by young women in order to go and hide their love handles. And so I know that, you know, this article is like about seven years ago, but I think it still has a lot of relevancy um, today. And the article, you know, it, um, it talks about, I guess, I, which I didn't know, I guess Colombia is, and at this time, Colombia was seen as one of the um, highest in regards to plastic surgery. And so, um, you know, uh, plastic surgeons also used a lot of, or they still, I guess, continue to use a lot of these kind of corset or waist trainers um, for women post-liposuction. Um, and so that was in order to kind of, you know, help with regards to um, the healing of the skin or to help to kind of maintain, um, you know, all the, the work and all the stuff that was done, you know, as part of the liposuction. And so I guess when um, women, um, you know, saw the benefits of that, and I think also in some cultures, um, at least in this article specifically, it looked at um, Colombia. And so a lot of these young women were, you know, purchasing and buying them, even like tiny women, you know, were buying these um, waist trainers, but it's because they wanted to maintain this, you know, particular look, this hourglass figure. Um, and so, um, you know, women, young women were starting just to buy up these waist trainers, um, you know, especially the women who were selling them, you know, were much older and how, um, you know, they pretty much, I wouldn't say they were outlawed, but they weren't really used very much, you know, like in the 60s and the 70s, um, especially with the uprise of like the, you know, women's empowerment, women's revolution, um, you know, women like Gloria Steinem, who had said that, you know, they actually, it's the course, it is just a sign of repression of women, um, but it's having a resurgence and women are wearing these and it's being sold and, you know, being given at least that image that um, wearing them, you know, will make them look sexier, you know, give them more confidence, you know, like yada, 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 that everything in like modern day, um, you know, media as give to women, unfortunately. Um, and 
you know, even companies like Spanx, you know, if you've ever worn um, those nylon um, type of compression garments, you know, those are coming back into fashion. You know, Spanx, I guess, has been around for, you know, a few years now and, you know, their market is growing. And so there's definitely this, um, I don't want to say that there's this need, but there's definitely um, a drive, um, a feeling of wanting to um, to hide a lot of the love handles to, you know, create this, um, this image. And so, um, you know, again, this was quoted from the New York Times article, um, that Spanx has been credited with reintroducing and reacclimating women to the concept, um, of extra help for figure problems in all its organ shifting, curve exaggerating strength. And I thought that that was, you know, a pretty strong statement because yes, I mean, you're wearing these waist trainers and it is, it's shifting your organs. It's, you know, you're deforming, you know, the bones in your body, which was seen, um, you know, just with the corsets back in the day, you're deforming your body in order to maintain this look and this image and like how far. And yes, I mean, women really do go that far in order to um, maintain a certain look, but really to detriment and you know to the health of your body i don't know whether you know in the long run that is really beneficial and really that can be said as you know that is really self-care um so there was a really scary passage you know just i was reading it towards the end of the article um that states that faha and again um you know they use this term faha like even though they're actually waist trainers it's not the traditional faha wraps like you know the long cloth that's used in latin american cultures um, that's used just to, you know, help provide support during pregnancy and postpartum, but they actually use the term faha. Um, that the faha can hold the stomach so tight that the wearer loses her appetite. Now, why would someone want to do this to their body? That they would want to lose their appetite, that they would want to um, have their stomach so tight, you know, that they're not even able to breathe, be able to function. But again, just to maintain this look, this image. And so this is um, a routine act, just like um, that a lot of these women, are, these young women are doing, just like, you know, brushing their hair, putting on their makeup, you know, they wake up in the morning, put on their, you know, before they put on their clothes, they put on, you know, their waist trainer or what they've turned, you know, their faha, you know, put it before putting their clothes on. And um, so that's why, you know, I title this, you know, as a self-care practice gone bad, because, you know, again, as I mentioned at the beginning, that it is um, a practice that, you know, can provide a lot of benefit to some women, but I feel that it is being co-opted and branded as, um, you know, to be able to provide something else, which I think is not necessarily a really good self-care practice. I don't think that um, trying to get your stomach so tight that you can't breathe and um, disfiguring your body and, um, you know, damaging your organs uh, is actually seen as um, self-care. So um, again, I, I will probably do um, another episode just because, you know, as I was doing a lot of this research, I just found it really um, eye-opening and intriguing that, um, you know, it's still very much in practice um, wearing a lot of these shape-shifting um, type of um, devices or, um, you know, yeah, devices uh, on the body. So at the end of the day, I wanted to, um, you know, so we talked about the history, um, look at the differences and the wraps and the benefits. And so I just want to make sure 
um, that you are informed, you know, again, that you're making a wise and um, conscious decision as to what it is that you're going to be putting on your body, um, especially if you are a pregnant mom or, you know, just had a baby and you're looking to, you know, try to provide a little bit of some support and some help in your body healing a little bit faster. So before um, I close up and I finish, I want to, you know, talk a little bit about diastasis recti. And so obviously this is a much bigger topic and something that, you know, will be covered, you know, in a future episode. But again, you know, just to reiterate that it is common. And um, lately, um, especially if you're in the uh, Instagram world, there have been lots of really great discussions, especially among public floor physical therapists and Instagram pages that I'm a part of. Um, where, you know, there has been a lot of talk about, you know, are we really, is there really a need to, um, you know, provide um, or to worry so much about um, diastasis recti in some women? Um, obviously, you know, and so for those, you know, who don't know, and again, is a, a separation of the abdomen or the linea, um, you know, there's creating more space in the linea alba. And so the abdominal muscles, those, you know, traditional six-pack muscles, they separate. And so for some women, based on the severity of the separation, um, you can put, you know, your finger in there and it'll create, um, and that's a way just to kind of test it, you know, so whether finger width, two finger widths um, or more to see the severity of um, the separation. And so, you know, for some women, if it's just like a finger width, you know, um, maybe a little bit more, like maybe two finger widths, I think it's about like two and a half finger widths where it's, you know, considered okay you know we need to um, do a little bit of some work in order to help to you know reapproximate things um but where it might not be necessary to really address it you know if they're still able to function if not if they're not having you know pressure issues um if they're not leaking you know when they're lifting up their baby or lifting their car seat um if they're not having like prolapse issues then you know it may not be so much in order to you know to treat the to treat that mom you know maybe obviously providing some support making sure that she's doing correct um core strengthening exercises so that she doesn't um, increase the amount of separation there but there's just a lot of information out there um recently um just because i think you know there's more research and um just a lot of um talk and discussion about um you know how to treat um that particular condition so i find it really really interesting um, and then, you know, again, just to read that there shouldn't be a rush, you know, with regards to getting your body back. Um, and again, you know, it's really unfortunate that there is this. Stigma of, you know, you know, you were pregnant and like now you're not pregnant and I should be back to the way that you were before. And it's not even like just your body, but, you know, the, your career and everything else that you're doing and all of your responsibilities. But being a mom, you know, it changes you in so many ways, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, um, social, you know, socially, even, you know, there's just so many changes. And I think that there should really be a, a true understanding that, you know, you become a mom, um, you know, your life changes, you know, in some very, very great ways. And, you know, maybe in some other ways for some other women where it really changes, um, changes their body and then having just to adjust to that. But I think, you know, that there should be um, that time period where, 
you know, just to be accepting, um, you know, of, you know, what's going on with the body and to, um, not feel a rush to have to go and change it so dramatically. Um, and, you know, just really embracing, you know, being with your baby and, you know, being a new mom and not feeling like you have to, um, train your ways and get back to the gym and doing everything that you were doing before. So I think there's also that mindset, um, that culture that also needs to change, um, which I would think then would really change again, the landscape of, you know, what we're seeing, um, women doing, you know, buying Spanx or, you know, buying these waist trainers, um, that really aren't needed and aren't necessary in some cases. So yeah, there just needs to be an appreciation. There needs to be an acceptance, um, that your body's changed and that it's going to take time, you know, for you to get back, um, to your pre-pregnancy body, or you may never get back to your pre-pregnancy body, um, and that it's okay. Um, so there needs to just be an acceptance that it's okay that your body might, your body has changed and it's shifted and that it might not, you know, go back to the way that it was before. So I think, you know, it's just to instill, you know, some wonder in what our body has accomplished. Um, there's so much, um, there's so much beauty and so much, um, I guess, adoration, you know, with a pregnant body and like, wow, you know, her belly is beautiful. And, you know, obviously because she has the baby in there and everything. And then there isn't that same type of adoration, you know, post-pregnancy. And I love a lot of Instagram accounts, um, that I'm, unfortunately, like I'm just kind of, um, blanking, but I'll try to remember to put it in the show notes, um, of pre-pregnancy body, or sorry, not pre-pregnancy, but postpartum bodies and postpartum bellies and what they look like, you know, and that even, you know, just a day or two after, you know, having a baby, yeah, it'll still look like you're still pregnant, you know, and then just, um, what I like to call it kind of like the battle scars, you know, especially if you've had a C-section, um, you know, or have had, um, you know, just a lot of expansion in your belly and, you know, just, um, even diastasis recti and that will create, um, you know, some, um, some changes, you know, in your belly. And I love that there's a lot of, um, imagery, especially on Instagram, um, that are showing, um, these pictures of these women and creating a lot more acceptance and like, Hey, this is what a postpartum body looks like. Um, and that's okay. And it doesn't have to, you know, look a certain way or be a certain way and that there should be a love. There should be an adoration. There should be, you know, an acceptance of those postpartum bodies. Um, so I'm loving that, you know, we're definitely seeing, um, more of that. Yeah, it is okay to try to take on, um, this message, but also have feelings of being less than, um, so there's definitely, you know, I could speak for myself. I won't speak for anybody else, but I'll speak for myself. Um, you know, being a mom and, you know, to my four-year-old and there are days where I'm like, yeah, like, I love what my body did, you know, it brought, you know, my baby, my daughter into this world. And especially after having had two miscarriages, like, I'm just so, so thankful and I wouldn't trade it for anything. And just being accepting of, you know, what my body looks like now. And it's definitely not where it was pre-pregnancy. Um, and, you know, I'm accepting of that. And then there are other days where I'm just like, yeah, like, I wish I... I wish I could just focus on like working out all day and like, you know, eating a little bit better. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, um, I have those days, you know, where I don't like my body and I wish that it, 
I could change it, you know, I could be able to like really focus on changing it a little bit more. And I think it's also okay to have those feelings. And, you know, I think then, you know, the, um, the mindset of like thinking like, yeah, you have to like accept the way that your body is. And then I think shifting it, you know, all the way over to the other side of like, you know, you shouldn't be body shaming yourself and you shouldn't be accepting. And I think that that can also kind of go too far and accept that, you know, we're all humans and that, you know, based on, you know, where we are in our life, based on, you know, what stresses we're facing, you know, that, we can change our mind sometimes. And so it's going to be different depending on the day that there will be a lot of loving and acceptance of our bodies and that we'll feel strong and we'll feel capable. And other days we're just going to feel like crap and not feel loving towards your body and wanting to change it. And, you know, maybe like for a day or two looking for like, okay, what's a quick fix? What can I do? Cause I feel like, you know, again, maybe even based on like what our cycle is and what our stressors are, but like wanting a quick fix, um, you know, or deciding like, okay, I'm going to diet, you know, I'm going to go on a diet or I'm going to go on this major, you know, fitness um, cycle and try to like lose all this weight. So I think also to understand that that is normal to have that feeling um, as well. And so self-care really begins with self-love. Um, so, you know, in order for us to really um, truly bring self-care into our bodies, and again, not the, you know, frilly, you know, luxe, um, luxurious type of self-care, which I think is also very appropriate. And it's great to feel pampered, but self-care, you know, should be present in our lives every day. We should be providing self-care to ourselves all the time in small ways, you know, in small ways, you know, that are not time dependent. Um, but I think, you know, overall it begins with self-love. And so, um, that I think is, the biggest, um, biggest tool, biggest aspect that I think is lacking. Um, and that's really hard. Like I'm going to admit it's hard, you know, to find that. Um, but I think that it makes it much easier when we're able to love ourselves to then really provide the, the type of, you know, true self-care, true love, um, true caring, you know, true nurturing that we need for our bodies. So thank you so much for listening to Masterful Art of Self-Care. For more interviews and inspiring stories from men and women, like myself, um, talking about um, self-care practices gone bad, um, who are bringing them neglected and seldom talked about parts of our body to the forefront of self-care, please subscribe to our channel on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. So again, as I mentioned, um, I would love to hear who you would like to hear from next. Um, if you have a story, story that you want to share um, or what you would like me to talk about, so if you have any suggestions, um, definitely shoot me an email at Tia at the Masterful Art Self-Care, or you can direct message me at Tia, the SPT on Instagram. So if you're liking what you hear, I would love for you to consider um, supporting this podcast. So it is just me, uh, myself and I, who is putting um, these podcasts together, doing all the editing. Um, so if you're feeling so inclined to help support this podcast in any small um, way that you can, you can visit anchor.fm backslash the Masterful Art of Self-Care's podcast to support this podcast. And again, I will put that link on the show notes. Um, we also have a bi-monthly newsletter that is available for you to read about upcoming podcast episodes and learn about self-care and its relevancy through other healthcare disciplines. So you can sign up for a 
um, sign up for this newsletter on our website at the, mas um, the masterfulartofselfcare.com. And again, I'll put that on the show notes. So make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast. And um, if you can, please rate, review, and share this episode with someone who may benefit from it or would like to learn more about this topic. Let's help make self-care more accessible and down-to-earth. Thank you again for listening.